Since 1931, Financial Executives International has been the leading advocate for the views of corporate financial management. Its more than 10,000 members hold policy-making positions as chief financial officers, chief accounting officers, controllers and treasurers at companies from every major industry. And FEI enhances its members' professional development through peer networking, career management services, conferences, research, and publications. Join FEI today to network with key influencers, understand emerging issues, advocate for corporate finance, and boost your career opportunities. Both individual and corporate membership options are available. Go to www.financialexecutives.org and click on Become a Member, or look for the link in this episode's show notes. Hi, this is Chris Westfall, and this is the Financial Executive Podcast. There is no shortage of hot takes when it comes to the possibility of generative artificial intelligence in finance, especially when it comes to consultants or vendors talking about the ways it can be leveraged in large enterprises in accounting and finance. But like in many instances, first mover advantage usually belongs to investors leveraging new technologies as a window into the balance sheet. For example, Bedrock AI is a startup that uses artificial intelligence to read financial disclosures and apply a machine-learned risk assessment tool against them. Bedrock AI's CEO, Chris Benetti, has a unique perspective on the rise of AI in accounting and disclosure, having a background in data science, corporate governance, as well as being a CPA. In this episode of the podcast, we speak with Ms. Benetti about how AI can navigate a world of overdisclosure, along with ideas regarding how the current financial reporting industry will need to adapt. Thanks for joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, you know, what Ben Brock is working on has been really sort of very interesting. And it, it's very, and as I mentioned earlier, it's very interesting to our audience. So, but I, I always want to sort of level set so people get an understanding of, of what we're talking about. So, Perhaps we can start with, you know, Bedrock AI and its role in the market. Could you sort of describe what it's doing and, and how it's differentiated from other sort of research firms and shops out there? Yeah, of course. So we provide investment research software. Um, and what's unique about what we do is we specialize in adapting language models to complex financial disclosure. Um, that's a whole bunch of jargon, uh, but essentially the advanced models that you see behind tools like OpenAI's ChatGPT, uh, Grammarly, um, auto-suggest on your phone, those models um, are obviously very powerful um, uh, and you know are, are impacting our daily lives. And we focus on um, using those types of models, language models, large language models, to understand, process, and extract relevant information from securities filings. Um, and we, we provide that uh, primarily to investors, hedge funds, um, and also you know, 
audit firms, DNO insurers, those types of, of corporate stakeholders who want to see what's been disclosed in securities filings um, and need it in a more efficient fashion. Um, and, you know, how are we different from other research firms out there? Uh, it's software. So it's all happening um, it completely. It's completely automated. It's happening in real time. We have complete coverage of every um, Edgar issuer. So every U.S. issuer filing a relevant filing um, with the SEC, um, which is uh, pretty different from how a human investment research um, company would would approach it. Um, yeah, that, that's us. So just to clarify, you're looking at everything, 10, 10Ks, 10Qs, AKs, the whole, or, or, or you're focusing on specific filings. So our current coverage is 10Ks, 10Qs, 20Fs, draft prospectuses, um, AKs, non-timely filings, and SEC comment letters. We also do a bit of coverage on earnings transcripts, um, and we're always increasing our uh, filing coverage. Um, so we should be adding um, proxies and a few other types of filings coming soon. So, you know, given with AI, right, you know, right in the name of, of, of the company and artificial, artificial intelligence seems critical to their strategy. In your mind, what's the value that AI brings to the research and that can't be achieved from, you know, traditional analysis done by human beings? Yeah. So I think the major problem right now is that human beings can no longer keep up with the quantity of information getting pushed into, into public markets. Um, so, you know, on the preparer side, um, you know, we have a lot of people putting a lot of time and energy into getting exact disclosure out there. Uh, and then, you know, we've seen a lot of instances where a fund with a 5% holding in a company has not seen what, you know, we would consider to be material disclosure, um, because it's on page 101. And if you're an analyst covering 40 different companies, you can no longer physically get through every single page of every single filing in a timely fashion. Um, so we're essentially in a situation where humans can't on the receiver side of corporate disclosure are no longer able to effectively process the quantity of information. And, you know, we have all of these systems and software set up to efficiently gather um, numeric information from public filings. We have Bloomberg terminals, we have S&P Cap and Q, we have all of this software infrastructure set up, but there's not a lot out there to help corporate stakeholders extract and parse the information that's disclosed in text. Um, so that's, you know, AI is not as good as a CPA. Mm -hmm. You know, it's uh, it's going to make going to fail sometimes. It's going to have errors in reasoning. Mm -hmm. However, uh, it makes up by for that by being able to read and mostly understand um, what's happening in a securities filing in a matter of seconds 
Whereas when I go and read through a 10K for a company that I've never seen before, that process takes me three hours plus if I'm doing in-depth um, research. And I can't do that for every single company I'm interested in. AI is able to provide a sort of not quite as good replica of my brain that's able to operate in seconds instead of hours. So I guess one question as a follow-up, um, you know, one you know, obviously chat GPT is um, on everybody's mind and, and certainly people are discussing it. Maybe you could explain how your AI approach is different from that's that that being implemented by chat GPT and, and, and other um, processes. I mean, I assume it's taking a look at different data sets, but maybe, maybe it's uh, maybe you could explain a little bit about that. Yeah, so there's a few differences. And of course, there's the difference in the data sets. Um, our models are specifically trained to be experts in securities filings and financial disclosure. Um, you know, our models are trained, trained on 65 times more SEC filings than, say, Bloomberg GPT, which is the other financial model out there. Um, but more fundamentally, ChatGPT is a generative model. So it's focused on creating content um, that sounds plausible, which is fantastic for creative tasks because factual accuracy is less important. Um, the problem with ChatGPT, um, it's great for idea generation. It's great for you know some aspects of financial analysis, but ultimately it's going to be giving you a lot of very plausible sounding incorrect information, which is, you know, it it it's it's not an option um, to just take ChatGPT output um, and use that um, as a source in stock research or these more uh, demanding technical roles. Um, so our focus isn't on generating content, which is also often full of sort of made up information. Um, it's on understanding the text, figuring out what's relevant, what's related to specific topics and pushing that to our users. So rather, if I if could think about it, it's not generating paragraphs of text and, and narrative. It's generating Excel spreadsheets and putting information into um, fund managers' own models. Is that appropriate way to think about it? And, and more or less, I mean, yeah. we're we're not we're identifying. I mean, our focus is on forensic information. So we're identifying information that empirically has had an association with malfeasance, earnings management, those types of you know securities fraud, etc. Hmm. Um, so we're picking up all sentences that empirically have had an association with those risks. That's a core part of, of our product. And, and we use that as, as news feeds. Um, but we also provide, um, you know, we're also converting right. textual in information into what we call tabular information. So taking things like, was there an adverse opinion on internal controls or not? Yes, no. That can go into a spreadsheet or and or be presented in a more 
uh, consumable fashion um, through through our models. Um, But the core difference is that because we're just response, here's the extracted information, it's 100% audible, auditable, and 100% factual. You know, whereas if you ask ChatGPT, um, you know, what's the auditor of Microsoft, Apple, blah, 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 it will give you a name of a big four auditor. Hmm. Not the right name, just a name. It could be the right name, um, but there's no, it's not looking at the underlying source documentation. Um, it's just sort of pulling from its own memory of what could be a reasonable response to this answer, which is obviously very problematic if you're a corporate stakeholder and need the right answer. You know, it's really interesting when you talk about this stuff and because uh, of my next question is that, um, you know, usually when I, you, you talk to people in the AI space, it's people coming from the technology side and from, you know, um, research firms, but your background is in accounting and auditing and, and you spent some time at a big four firm and you're a CPA. How does that inform your approach to applying the AI to this sort of these sort of problems into investment research? Yeah, I so just to clarify, I do also have a technical background. I have yeah. a master's degree in data analytics and I spent uh, a number of years working as a data scientist, specifically in corporate disclosure processing at a at a governance advisory firm. Um, but I think something that people really underestimate about the artificial intelligence research process, which really is a, is a process, the machine learning research process, is that it is impossible. It is impossible to achieve good results that are worthy of putting in front of clients without an understanding of the underlying data. Um, you know, the process of figuring out, uh, you know, how do we help the model differentiate between what matters and what doesn't matter? If you want to help a model get there, you, you better have read through a lot of security filings in your life. Um, so, you know, I think having the joint background um, is, has been absolutely critical to getting off the ground and to the success we've achieved in our own, uh, own research. So given that, I mean, with your knowledge, both of, you know, data science and, and the way disclosures work within the regulatory framework, maybe we could talk a little bit. In what ways does the current corporate reporting structure lend itself to AI when it comes to investor use? And what, what are the roadblocks? What needs to change? Maybe we could start with what. I assume it's XBRL, but I'm not sure. I, I'm, I'm sounding, I'm talking out of ignorance. But um, what what lends itself to AI implementation against the disclosures? Great question. Great question. Um, and there's a big difference between the U.S. and other countries, obviously. Um, and we're um, really impressed with what the SEC has done from a data availability perspective. And we think that the existence of Edgar, um, the openness to having um, companies like us process filings en masse without charging 
exorbitant amounts of money for it is huge and important from, from an information transparency perspective. Um, and, you know, XBRL is not something that's really very useful for us, the tagging, because mm -hmm. we're focused on the narrative textual aspects. However, the fact that it's generally an HTML type format means the text is very, very easy to extract mm -hmm. and read, um, which is fantastic. It's, it's, it's very accessible um, to algorithmic processing, um, which you know I think is absolutely critical uh, if we want to have enforced transparency in this era of sort of inflated disclosure. You know, that's my opinion. Yeah. Um, um, but then you look abroad. Um, and so a lot of European filings and, and even here in Canada, um, they're not just in PDF, you know, a, a, a plain old PDF format is fine. You can process PDFs. The technology is there. What's been done is it's not just in PDF format. It's in PDF format where the formatting changes from page to page. Sometimes, uh, it, you know, there's paragraphs in different places. There are giant photos of nothing at all in between things. There's graphs that don't relate to the text. Um, sometimes it seems like companies are going out of their way to make it impossible to, to process. Um, and it's, you know, that, I believe, really has to change, especially because often the need for the most transparency, the need for these types of tools like those, the ones we create at Bedrock AI are highest um, outside of the U.S. Well, I guess one of the questions I have in terms of that is... Um, in your, I mean, I assume you're, you're dealing mostly with the investor side and, and, and um, you know, hedge funds and things like that. Mm -hmm. But in your, your encounters with preparers, do they have understanding of what they need to do in order to adapt to this changing paradigm? Or has that conversation even started yet? So, you know, I don't talk to preparers nearly as much as I used to. Mm. Um, but my perception is that there's not um, that the, the sort of response is is has been relatively slow from the preparer side. I know a few years ago, a lot of audit committees were looking for tools that would just sort of check their their press releases and transcripts to make sure that they weren't get, getting flagged as, as too right. negative. Um, and from what I could tell, mostly those were just discussions and sort of human uh, based assessments. I'm sure some people actually implemented tools, but from what I could tell, it, there wasn't a lot actually um, being done from an algorithmic perspective to check for negative language. Mm. Um, I mean, my uh, opinion on those sorts of like, okay, let's make sure we don't have negative language in our filings is, is a bit silly. I think it uh, probably overstates right. uh, the importance of the algorithms trading off that information because ultimately on the, you know, the hedge fund side, those algorithms don't work that well. So right. you shouldn't worry about it that much. Um, 
But then, you know, from a preparer side, you know, I think going forward, um, it would be, it's going to matter less specifically how you disclose something because with language models, we're not looking specifically for keywords. We're looking for the content and context of the information. So if you say we received a subpoena or we received a government investigation, that's the same. It's it's considered the same Mm -hmm. um, sort of by our back end. Um, So, you know, the specific wording is going to matter, matter less. Um, and I'm not sure, you know, what preparers would do with that information. Right. Um, ra- other than stop worrying so much about the specific <laughs> disclosure, uh, because, you know, generally uh, a com- computers are now sort of smart enough to, to pick up on, on what it means, regardless of, of how it's disclosed. Yeah, is it? Yeah. So it's interesting when you talk about this and, and where preparers are, um, because there's a sort of a a perception or a, a push and pull in the market. Like there's a, a a plain perception is sort of whack-a-mole when it comes to sort of regulations around disclosure. The next thing comes up and you have to put resources behind it. Um, you know, and and that comes from regulatory side. Do you think let me ask you this. Do you think the regulators uh, and standard setters have an understanding of the impact of AI on disclosures and corporate reporting? Um, or is it dependent on the jurisdiction you're talking about? Yeah, I don't. I, it definitely depends on the jurisdiction. As always, you know, the SEC has a lot more resources than most other um, other regulators and um, therefore tends to be a bit ahead on the data front Mm. um i do think you know we've seen interest from most regulators on working with ai and using these types of tools to be to be more effective um but i you know do they understand how ai is going to impact corporate disclosure i don't know i you know i'm not sure i do either mm-hmm. um, you know as someone who thinks that right. the burden of disclosure is way too too large i would love to see ai um, writing all of the the boilerplates that's going into these documents um, you know our models are ignoring you know often half of of what's disclosed because it's, it's it is essentially boilerplate. So why why are we having if this information isn't providing signal to a user of the filing? Why are we having you humans prepare this? It's just a, maybe a controversial take. No, I, I think that's appropriate. Let me ask you this: What do you think is an important disclosure that would be relevant to how AI works? Um, that need, that could be implemented that is not currently in disclosure? Or, or is your argument it just needs to be less? Um, or is, it, is the question, is it less or is it focusing on a different uh, data set? Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, I, so it doesn't, Less disclosure would definitely be helpful Hmm. for computational processing and I think for humans as well. When you have less disclosure, the 
computational cost, the cost of reading it is lower and there's fewer opportunities to get confused. Mm-hmm. That applies both to AI and to humans. Um, that said, I, um, I think there's a lot of opportunity for simplification and sort of more tabular reporting. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing that I found absolutely astounding going from, you know, being an auditor, being a CPA and transitioning to being on the other side is it's amazing how many, you know, people with a CFA designation, they're college educated, they work in investing, they're paid a lot of money. They don't understand what substantial doubt about going concern means. They don't hmm. really understand what a material control weakness is and how it differs from a CAM. No one knows what a critical <laughs> audit matter is. Yeah. Literally not one person. Um, so why are we using terminology that no one understands? Uh, like, I don't know, let's turn audit reports into emojis or something. I, it just, um, <laughs> why, why, why are we using the terminology substantial doubt about going concern? It's hmm. the most confusing language possible. Um, why are we calling audit matters critical? Right. Um, it just, it seems silly, um, and a bit archaic. Um, but on the other hand, I don't think there is an incentive on the preparer side, yeah. uh, to improve transparency from that perspective. Right. You know, it's interesting. And, and uh, this will, uh, sort of be my last existential, I always like to end on an existential question. <laughs> um, and hearing you discuss some of these issues and, you know, coming from your perspective as a, you know, somebody who's been in accounting, a CPA and applying it to this other world of data science and in, in, in even the other world of investing, um, maybe you could talk a little bit about um, how critical was um, your approach uh, in Bedrock AI, in in your background in data science, and and melding it into the the corporate reporting world, um, and uh, I guess is that an issue that the industry uh, has to deal with? Because a lot of what we have in discussions with our members and, and people we speak to is, you know, there needs to be more data driven people, people understand data into the accounting world than there is right now. So maybe I can ask that question. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And one of the reasons that I ended up here, uh, there is a dearth of machine learning researchers focused on boring topics. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that's essentially like we've, you know, we auto suggest on our phone, Google translate, you know, there have been incredible steps forward, um, in language modeling in areas outside of accounting, compliance, law, finance, et cetera. Mm. Um, and yet we're, we're still here. Um, so, you know, I think there's, um, definitely, a a big need for for more focus on this and and, and uh, <laughs> more support from the machine learning sort of with the open source community the the people who collaborate together to to move forward research in this area 
what I should say, um, and I probably should have said earlier, we were talking about my background is, um, you know, as a data scientist, as a CPA, I'm completely would not have been able to build our product. Um, and that was, um, you know, all of our major research breakthroughs were done by my co-founder, Suhas Pai, um, mm. who is a uh, language modeling specialist. He's, he's writing the book on language models uh, right now, the book um, with <laughs> O'Reilly. Um, so, you know, his expertise is what right. uh, really, you know, uh, made us, made it possible for us to push uh, the boundaries of, of what's possible with, with language modeling. Um and, but there's there continues to to be you know a bit a bit of an, an issue with with hiring from time to time because yeah. you know it's a pretty niche group of people who are effective um, at the top tier of AI research right and those people are all working for the same you know top five companies and uh, I'm not sure how you uh promote innovation in these sort of less sexy yeah. industries where it's hard to attract that type of top top talent that you see at google and open ai and hugging face yeah that's an important point that's something that is constantly being talked about especially you know with our uh, members about how do we attract people into this industry um so, uh, but those are my questions. I really appreciate it. It's been very informative. And I want to thank you for your time. Well, thanks for having me. This was a really fun con conversation. 